telling me while I'm flying on a plane, there's some government agency, agent writing down whether or not I fell asleep and was looking around erratically. That's uh, the way I live my life, falling I've, asleep and looking around erratically. I for Take one, him a nap. I'm grateful that you're being monitored. I encourage it. This is really quite a story about a secret monitoring a surveillance program by the government and Missy Ryan, Washington Post reporter who covers the Pentagon military issues, issues rather, and national security joins us now. Hello, Missy. How are you? Great. Thank you. Oh, it's, it's our pleasure to talk to you. Um, so tell us about this federal air marshal program. So it came to light over the weekend that the TSA has been conducting a program since 2010 in which they select uh, air travelers in the United States on the basis of sometimes their travel records, um, if they visited particular overseas countries or other based on the basis of other factors to be monitored by federal air marshals during flights within the United States. So if somebody is selected for this quiet skies program, then what would happen is that an air marshal would get on the, uh, their next flight within the United States and uh, observe them as they go about their their travel and uh, they have a questionnaire um, that they would fill out about the person's behavior um, and the TSA says that this is uh, something that they do in order to widen the net that they have to keep air travelers safe. These are people who are not on the no-fly list or other watch list that the U.S. government maintains, um, but they're looking for behavior that they say are associated with terrorism. I see. Well, I read your excellent piece with Ashley uh, Halsley in the Post this morning, and I want to make sure I understand this because you mentioned that they conduct secret observations of their actions quote including behavior as common as sweating heavily or using the restroom repeatedly i had a a hilarious incident recently where i went to the wrong terminal just because i wasn't paying attention and had to literally sprint many hundreds of yards to make my flight in another terminal and as a slightly heavyset man of middle age i was sweating like a pig as the saying goes but they just being sweaty doesn't get you into report they have to like be suspicious because you're a frequent traveler to yemen well no what would happen is that you would be selected to be put on this quiet skies list and you would be eligible for the monitoring because for example you had traveled recently to yemen right and then an air marshal would be watching you as you were um, on your flight or maybe in the airport and you know i mean the the things that i mentioned in the article which were you know sweating profusely or looking erratic um taking a nap up Basically, they're trying to look at, I I think that what they're getting at is people who seem nervous or seem like, you know, they um, may be uh, uncomfortable or or planning something. I'm always uncomfortable. Um, I don't get the taking it, sleeping on the flight, though. I mean, the looking around erratically, sweating profusely, okay, what's the sleeping part? Do you have any idea? well, this was taken from a checklist um, that the federal air marshals used that was published by the Boston Globe, which actually broke this story. And, you know, I mean, it has a whole range of activities. I'm just thinking your best terrorists aren't going to sleep. <laughs> well, I think Looking around erratically makes exactly sense. That if somebody is, you know, snoozing quietly, then they're probably not. Um, oh, okay. Okay. That's right. My associate here is failing to grasp the evidentiary value of the report, <laughs> Missy. But, yeah, they just want a complete portrait of how people act. Yeah. So, okay, this this is what I don't quite get. So you're one of these air marshals, and uh, you're sitting on the plane. Um, if you look over and there's somebody looking around a lot, that gets their attention, whether they're on any list or not, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I 
I think that air marshals, you know, conduct their activities sure. um, on, and under all sorts of circumstances. But this is just one of the things that they do. And then it says specifically, then they, but they wouldn't follow them like when they got off the plane to see where they're going or something like that. I find that hard to believe. Well, what the TSA has clarified for us this morning is that. Uh, these people who are on the quiet skies list can be followed within an airport, but not outside of airports. They're trying to say that this is not surveillance because people, um, you know, their their phone calls aren't tapped. There's no sort of traditional um, uh, hardcore espionage tactics being used here. But, you know, I mean, it, that that sort of is open to interpretation. Because this is they, the, certainly, uh, they certainly are being watched. This is the same TSA that missed 95% of the fake bombs that went through security a couple of years ago? Exactly. But they caught 5%, Jack. Let's focus on the positive. <laughs> Final note from Missy Ryan of the Washington Post. I, I also see in your piece toward the end that you mentioned that the TSA has compiled a secret list of unruly passengers. That's something that well, we wrote about earlier this year, and that was, I think, more of a defensive thing for the for uh, airport workers and um, air, and airline workers. Um, so, if there are people who have a history of behaving badly, that that people are aware. Right. Well, so, if Joe Getty gets hammered drunk and starts screaming at stewardesses, that will follow me for quite some time. Then, uh, potentially, I, I'm not actually familiar with the details of that program, but, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it would be understandable that someone would want to know that. How here, long here. have uh, how long have they been doing this program, do we think? Uh, the Quiet Skies program has yeah. been in place since 2010, according to the TSA. And how did this come, why did this come out over the weekend? Uh, the Boston Globe just broke the story. I think mm-hmm. that what, what happened was... But the government didn't some... put it out on purpose. Somebody discovered oh, no. it. No, yeah. no. Uh, right. the, the, the program appears to have generated some um, discontent um, from within the air marshal community because people feel like it's not the best use of resources. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I understand oh, that. We'll talk about that uh, yeah. once you're yeah. gone. But. Missy Ryan of the Washington Post. She covers the Pentagon, military issues, and national security. Uh, Missy, a uh, real pleasure. Thanks for spending some time. Thank you. Our pleasure. <clears throat> Very businesslike. You're, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the ACLU is up in arms about this. And no, they part, should shut up. Part of the part of their argument, and I agree with them. And part of their argument is uh, it's a waste of money. Citing the uh, the statistic from 2015 that the Department of Homeland Security's Inspector General found that undercover agents were able to slip fake bombs past the TSA screeners 95% of the time. Mm. I hope they've improved on that before they started allocating resources to uh, watching people sweat on planes. Yeah. Well, here's the deal, though. Come on now. Listen to you. They've identified people whose travel history is really kind of funky. And so they put an air marshal on to keep an eye eye on them and then assess that, okay, the guy just likes to vacation in Yemen, and who can blame him? You know, if it's you know, I could see it being a waste of money because it turns out there are very few people who actually want to bring down an airliner with themselves aboard. There are a handful. Here's the problem: the no-fly list, which had 16 people on it in September of 2001, had 64,000 people on it in 2014, and they right. expect it to be many multiples of that by now, 2018. Mm-hmm. Eventually, we will all be tracked all the time by some secret agency that we only find out about when somebody blows the whistle. Yes. That is absolutely where we're headed with this. Yes. We'll all be on a list where we're looked at, and they, they write down, and just like they do in the Soviet Union and North Korea, there will be a file on all of us about the time we got drunk on a plane, 
or we slept here, or we did whatever, there will be a file on all of us by the government to try and get, and we'll have some sort of, call it a social credit score. Oh, as boy. To, as to how we've acted throughout our Play lives. Play the gong, Michael. Hit the gong. We're a communist China now. <laughs> I guarantee you that's going to happen. Yeah. We'll all be on some sort of a list where they've got information on us, and then it will be used badly at some point. I And I also, I believe this for, maybe I'm a tinfoil hat crazy person, Am I more afraid of programs like this getting out of control or terrorism? Not even close call for me. Hmm. Not even close call. So can I have fun talking about the disorderly drunks and seat peers list? Seat peers. Well. That makes the list? If you pee your seat? Stewardess butt grabbers, loud drunks, seat peers, wants to fight the guy in the next row guy. They're all on a list, so the airlines know, "Uh uh-oh, we got likes to fight guy on flight 1132 at uh, 4.30 this afternoon. Flight crew, be aware. This guy gets drunk and fights people. Is that a terrorism thing? No, that's that's a... uh, Well, so the Homeland Security is now keeping track of people who get drunk on planes? Yeah, yeah. Uh, shouldn't the planes have been doing that on their own if they thought it was a big deal? The TSA is all of us coming together, Jack, to ensure each other's safety and comfort. Yeah. It's See, the I'm government you, doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. This is us ending up with a social credit score, is what it is. Why wouldn't the, why wouldn't the, why weren't the airlines keeping track of who gets too drunk on planes and fights and with the trading it with each other? Or just within themselves. Well, I know the TSA, United. one of the things they keep track of is people who assault TSA officers. Yeah. Um, so if he's ticketed, you know, she's ticketed, whatever. Of course, they might have assaulted them because they touched their six-year-old, six-year-old's genitals to make sure their six-year-old wasn't in ISIS. Yeah, my favorite example of this, and that, that stat of about them missing 95% of the fake bombs, I mean... I think of that every time I'm standing in line and they're doing ridiculous S. Right. And my favorite example of all time is when uh, Sam was a tiny little kid and had on a pair of socks that had uh, a painting on top of it or colors on the top that made him look like shoes. Isn't that cute? They look like shoes because right. he's a one-year-old or whatever. Even though this infant is actually wearing socks. And right. the TSA agent made him take off his socks because they looked like shoes. Oh, boy. But you miss 95% of the bombs, so and I'm there's s- no evidence they've ever stopped a single terrorist plot. So I'm sorry, I lost the thread. Were the socks bombs or not? <laughs> <laughs> I just think we're spending a lot of money on... Well, it's security theater. Yeah, as we've called it for many, many years. Yeah. And yeah. I do think we're all going to be watched everywhere. How does this not... How do you not expand this from from airlines to the first time there's... A, well, there have been terrorist attacks in workplaces, to the workplace, to everywhere. Where you've just got a list of, uh, you know, he he parks in spots he's not supposed to park in all the time or whatever that the government's keeping track of. Well, it's going to happen. They're going to have so much data they won't know know what to do with it. See, private hands are one thing, government hands are another. Sure. Clearly. What would you think of every workplace in America? Everybody gets together in secret committees. And identifies, say, one to five people, depending on the size of the workplace, <laughs> that are voted the most likely to twist off. G-E-T-T-Y. That would be... Sorry, you pipe down list. over there. That's funny. Um, How do you get in on that meeting? Right. Do you invite everybody, or do you not invite the people that are most likely? And then you say, all right, everybody, and, and this will be done on a dry erase board, or better yet, a flip chart. 
And and so gym right, and accounting, we uh, all gym, agree. Let's gym start and accounting. With a, let's uh, start with an easy one. All right. We all agree, gym and accounting. All right. So you get your list now. Let's go back to gym and accounting. He was our number one, wasn't he? What are the qualities or, or activities of Jim that make you think he might twist off? Well, he's uh, really belligerent. Belligerent, that's good. Belligerent, <laughs> you write that down. Uh, blames others for his mistakes. Blames others. Good, Jenny. Good. You write that down. And then you come up with that list of criteria. That's your twist-off list. And then you begin, and it's just a sensible precaution, of rating everybody who works there on against the twist-off list. I'll be very vague about this. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But we... we uh we worked with somebody who twisted off. In in a nonviolent, it's a shame way. But when people twist off, it could go any direction. You don't know. Um, True. There, there is nothing about that person who would have put that person on the list for me. There were a couple of things. <laughs> <laughs> and not another word. Not another well, word. Did, well, all right. I was just saying. This woman or man. If I was going to make a list, I wouldn't have put. Thoroughly pleasant I wouldn't have put this person on the list. That's what I'm saying. Right. Thoroughly pleasant human being. Yes, but that's the point. You don't judge people and then, well, you judge your top five on the flip chart, but then you apply objective standards to everyone in the workplace. And those objective standards, you might realize, you know, uh, Michael, very likable guy, but he rates high. On these three categories. How far do you go? And then you keep an eye on him. How far do the criteria go? Do you have leaves his lunches in the refrigerator for too long? Steals other people's lunches. Doesn't clean the microwave when he's done with it? Oh, who did we hear? Famous radio guy used to steal people's lunches out of the fridge. It was somebody Legendary radio guy. He's not in the business anymore, I don't think. Who was that? That's some good dirt. Somebody uh, somebody pretty famous. Yeah, was stealing people's lunches. Well known for it. Yeah. Probably Doug Steffen. Well, there you go, punk. No, you're... Hmm. Put him on my list of talk show hosts most likely to twist off. He comes into the room. I'm on the list. <laughs> Your anger goes deep and wide. You weasel. Uh, text line 415-295-KFTC. You happy with the uh, Quiet Skies program? 415-295-KFTC. I for one am. Keep me safe. I wonder how many of these secret following us around programs exist that haven't been outed yet. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Listen, boys. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So Rudy Giuliani is, man, he's on all the shows all the time. I'm, I'm not sure that does Trump any good other than it extends the story and makes people reset what we're talking about. But um, uh, he said something this morning that's getting a fair amount of attention in the, you know, Trump's ring America crowd. So uh, stay tuned for that. Boy, Rudy is not shy about getting on the air and just talking and talking and talking. I just, I don't think it helps. I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. So uh, I had one of the, the great, exciting, super cool experiences of, of recent memory uh, over the weekend. Uh, I, I and Judy uh, are super into this band from Portland called the Decemberists and uh, turned on by my son to their their tunefulness. And, uh, and they're playing shows around the West right now, and we 
we're going to thinking of going to see him in Bend where Deco lives, but uh, ended up seeing him up in uh, South Lake Tahoe. Got a room at the casino. I remember when casino rooms were cheap. So you'd go in there and gamble. You can't get a freaking room for under four hundred bucks. Four hundred dollars? I'm telling you. What? Well, you can stay down the hall, uh, down the, uh, the the street at a little hotel or whatever. But it, well, last time I went to Vegas, the rooms are expensive, high. The days of oh no, they're cheap to get. No, those are over. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, um, this, no, vacation this is, destinations. This man. is Trump's America. That's right. Yeah. So anyway, uh, but we went to see uh, the Decemberist, and because we have more money than sense, we uh, bought this extra special. A uh, ticket package where you got to go to see part of the sound check in the afternoon. Now, is that a thing now that people do? It seems like a great idea. Yeah, I think God, it's becoming increasingly common. There are times in my life I would have given a, a, a donated plasma to come oh, up sure. with the money to, to see a sound check of some of my favorite bands. Right, give up kidney. Well, and so, <laughs> uh, and and you got there are other silly benefits to it. But you know, as a musician and and guy who's played a lot of shows and stuff, I thought, wow, that'd be really cool. I want to go see that. And it was really crazy cool. Um, at one point, uh, Colin Malloy, who's the leader of the band, he said, we haven't played this song for a really long time, so bear with us. And they were going through this long, complex song and working out parts. And the, at one point, he was conferring with the bass player, and us an E-flat, and oh, yeah, 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 right. And it was just... How many was, people were watching that, that paid for this like sort of thing? Like 16 of us. Awesome. Right, pressed right up against the stage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, I, and they said, as many pictures and videos as you want, have fun. And so I videoed them working out this song, which was crazy cool. But so anyway, part of what we got was a Q&A with the band, question and answer with the band. But his voice is ragged out from doing too many shows. And so they changed that from question and answer to Decemberist karaoke, where if you want, you can tell them what song you want to sing and go up on stage and sing that song with the band. The full band playing it. Also a great idea. I think other bands ought to do this. Since you can't make money selling music anymore, no, that that's a way to make your money. Well, touring is how you make money, but that's extra. You know, that's a few. Uh, you know, a few hundred bucks sure. extra. Certainly. Does it have to be one of their songs? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> you couldn't take but, taking care of business. So this. Oh my God. <laughs> do you know Bob Seger's turn the page? You know the <laughs> that one. No, so um, <laughs> this this one gal volunteered to do it, and then I said, can I, can I, can I? And uh, so I got up on stage with Judy videotaping on the phone and sang one of my favorite Decemberist songs with the band. Um, I, and I've played many, many shows uh, in front of many, many people, way, I mean, really, really big crowds. I was more nervous than I've ever been because uh, playing music. Well, these guys are kind of musical heroes of me, of mine, and they're... It's an incredibly musical band. I mean, they're great. But you think they were judging you? or I didn't want to suck. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a musician. I'm not a great musician, but I'm a musician. I didn't want to suck. Did you look back to see if they're rolling their eyes or anything? No, actually, they were smiling and, and nodding. It went very well. Judy was very happy with it. Um, oh, I should have told you uh, what song. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But um, I was walking up on stage and said to the tour manager, this would go better if I could work out a single drop of spit because my mouth had gone completely dry. And he got me a bottle of water. But what is that? Anthropologically, when you're nervous, you got no spit. I don't know. It's a good one. Uh, anyway, it went um, great. Boy, I, I, yeah, bands should really start doing this. Yeah, I was so excited. There's lots of people who pay, pay money to do that, have Hell that yeah. opportunity. Um, Marshall's got news coming up, and I assume it'll be something good with maybe some Trump or something and the, uh, and the latest the on the fire. The shooting of looters, I hope. Yeah, the shooting of looters. We're all for that on the Armstrong and Getty Show.
gotten around to what Les Moonves allegedly did, and he's one of the biggest media moguls in the country. Right. I think he may be benefiting from, uh, you know, a burnout on the hashtag Me Too thing, maybe, in that if he had been earlier... Yeah. Earlier on, it'd be huge, 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 huge. Yeah, there's a term for that in science where you, your senses just shut down after a while. They they can't be amazed by something over and over again. But right, yeah, yeah, yeah we we become desensitized to it. Maybe that's it. And uh, but I'll, I'll hit you with that at some point. Also, Rudy Giuliani said something on one of the talk shows this morning is getting some attention. We should probably. Uh, make you aware of that. Right now, the news with Marshall Phillips. Well, authorities have arrested two people now in suspicion of looting homes that have been evacuated due to the explosive car fire in Redding, California. Two arrests so far. They've got more patrols looking for looters. There have been a number of reports about looting going on in the area. I'd like to know what they're going to be charged with, because from what we looked up, it can be a misdemeanor sometimes. Has that got to do with how much stuff you have at the time? Probably so, which is purely a matter of timing. Yeah. 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 Cal Fire's battalion chief uh, was on CBS this morning and is saying the weather has helped them fight the fire. The car fire, we're, we're cautiously optimistic that the progression into the city of Redding, a very highly populated area, has slowed and if not stopped. And it looks like the winds have died down considerably in the area. At least six people have been killed by the fire. Two of those deaths were firefighters. More than 800 buildings destroyed, and the fire itself has grown to almost 100,000 acres. Back to the the weather and the rest of it. Ironically, there is so much smoke, it's dropped temperatures 10 yeah. to 15 degrees all over the region. So that's that's helped. Meanwhile, a, a second firefighter has died fighting the Ferguson fire. That's the one burning near Yosemite. 54,000 acres there have burned. Parts of Yosemite National Park are expected now to stay closed throughout the rest of this week. We have a new study that finds Medicare for All would raise government health care spending by $32 trillion over 10 years and require historic tax increases to pay for it. The study from a policy institute at George Mason University in Virginia, their Mercatus Center, analyzed Senator Bernie Sanders' latest plan. The study found it would deliver significant savings on administration and drug costs, but increased demand for care would drive up spending. Well, none of that matters if you believe health care is a civil right or whatever that, mm-hmm. you know, the Bernie Sanders crowd <laughs> believes. $32 trillion over 10 years? Over so 10 years. $3.2 trillion Per year. Correct. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you couldn't raise taxes high enough to cover that. Well, and they wouldn't. They wouldn't even try. Therefore, all that money would be borrowed and foisted with interest upon the next generation, giving the utter cowardice of our quote unquote public servants. Boy, unless somebody comes out with some more favorable numbers than that, that's dead on arrival. Well, I mean, if that was going to be a talking point for the next presidential election, that's going to be the retort. And we're talking about the costs of buying a car that's currently on fire, keeping in mind that Medicare results tend to be worse than not having insurance at all, according to a major study that was done not too long ago. In other news, we've got Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who apparently can do more push-ups than I can. Ginsburg says she... So one? (laughs) Ginsburg says she hopes to serve at least five more years on the court. How old is she? She's 85. Wow. Ginsburg was uh, speaking out yesterday after attending a play in New York about the late Justice Antonin Scalia. She pointed out, yes, she's 85. She wants to stay on the court till she's 90. The court's oldest justice 
pointed out that uh, former Justice John Paul Stevens left the court when he was 90. Now, if that's in the middle of Trump's second term, then Trump's going to replace her with somebody that's, uh, that that would change the court. Oh, yeah. Five to four is one thing. Six to three is another. Seven to two? Oh. Well, and replacing a clear liberal with somebody who's not is a bigger difference than right. Anthony Kennedy. Right. Yeah. yeah. Tesla's got another hot seller on its hands. The luxury electric car maker on Saturday added carbon fiber surfboards to its gift shop Yes, that it says are inspired by Tesla interiors. company made 200 boards. They were all quickly snapped up, bought up right away. The boards were a collaboration between Tesla Design and Lost Surfboards, briefly available for $1,500. Now the carbon fiber Tesla surfboards are showing up on eBay for up to $4,000. Has anybody bought them at that price, though? Oh, I, I wonder that. But anyway, how about the flamethrower? Elon Musk still <laughs> selling flamethrowers? Yeah, I think those all sold out yeah, very, you. very quickly. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips here. Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Yeah, I wouldn't be. Oh, Squawky, I'm so sorry. Your your cry is the cry of freedom. Again, that's why we keep them chained in the control room. <laughs> I don't think a, a uh, flamethrower is probably a great idea right now. No, no. no. So, uh, oh, this is the song I caterwauled to. Right here. Well, oh, and we are going to post the video. Somebody uh, was scamming McDonald's Monopoly game, if you play that. But what Rudy Giuliani said this morning, getting some attention, so we'll hit that, too, coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Of the nation. take everything Rudy Giuliani says and and parse it as if it's a strategy because he talks a lot to a lot of different people and he's a hundred years old uh, but he was talking about and I believe he's been instructed to just go on the air and talk till something crazy happens <laughs> uh, but he was talking about something with Manafort and said this this morning what I'm saying is he was never involved in intimate business relationships with Donald Trump I mean, that's just four months they're not going to be polluting about Russians <laughs> Which I'm not even know if that's a crime, colluding about Russians. Okay. <laughs> you start you start yeah. analyzing the crime. The hacking is the crime. The well, hacking. That is the certainly crime. is the original. Well, the crime. president didn't yes. hack. Of course not. That's the original. <laughs> he didn't crime. pay them for hacking. So that's what's making people uh, react. Yeah. The fact that he said, "Okay, I think he's just talking. I don't think it's part of a strategy." The idea being uh, that throwing it out there. Uh, even if I did have an affair, is it really that big a deal? <laughs> kind of opening the door of. No, no. no I don't think so. He just no, he says, Ru- "Have you followed Rudy?" He gave he gave he he talked for hours over the weekend. He said on so many different shows, different things. Yeah, he he rambles and he talks and he theorizes and he jokes and he cajoles and the rest of it. And it, yeah, yeah. So no, I wouldn't take anything from that. And and he's and collusion is not a crime. Um, it's a, it's a political thing, but it's, it's not a crime. So we'll I mean, see. Unless you're conducting espionage. I mean, if it somehow crosses that line, you're doing the bidding of a foreign power somehow. 
But that's a hell of a stretch. Hey, we got uh, we got Hillary on tape saying she actually hates Bill, and that's a Russian on the phone. That doesn't make you a tool of the Russians. No, people might not like it politically, but it's not a crime. So uh, have you nailed down this McDonald's bingo game that I didn't know existed? Oh, yeah, I read uh, Sean's characterization of it earlier. was actually pretty good in that I read the original piece, uh, like two-thirds of it. Then I was like, all right, God, okay, all right, this is not the sinking of the Lusitania. I mean, it's just, (laughs) I get it. The guy was this security, former cop security guy who worked his way up till he was the chief of security for the company that printed up the actual game pieces. Oh, really? Yeah. But he decided he wanted a little extra cash, but he knew he had to be kind of careful. So what he would do was he would uh, filch the uh, the winning pieces, some of which were instant million-dollar winners. Wow. And and many of which were worth many thousands of dollars as instant winners, or they printed practically no park place or or broadway or whatever and you had to complete all three of those properties to win whatever there were very very few of them so he would filch those or 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 whatever or fake them up because he had the like watermark seals that that could be you could construct your own and and he would bring them to friends and relatives and distant relations or whatever and say listen i'm going to give you the million dollar winner you uh, cut me a, you give me two hundred thousand dollars cash and he would uh scam him like that and he did it for years and years and years between 1989 and 2001 um and 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 as sean also pointed out earlier his network of associates included mobsters psychics strip club owners convicts drug traffickers and even a family of mormons oh no (laughs) an fom as i call them i think mcdonald's almost every week i did not know they even had this game it's seasonal. It's not a year-round thing. Okay. No, but it's a it's a giant giant promotion that uh, is very very popular. I would do it back in the day when I used to hat, hit the McDonald's, just because you know you if it was an instant winner for some uh, cheeseburger or something like that, I figure yeah, great, tuck it in my dashboard, and the next time I abused my body unforgivably, I'd get myself a free cheeseburger. So um, you got a bunch of actresses saying that this guy, Les Moonves, who's a big wig in entertainment, about as big as they get in the whole country. Um, was I've doing, been hearing his name for decades. Yeah, was doing things he shouldn't do. And he and, uh, and it's not getting near the attention that previous of these have gotten with much smaller fish. And I think it's just a deep, we're desensitized or... We, I think it, we get that story. It's over. Now we realize there's a certain number of guys that do that. I don't know what it is. But. I think those in the know realize how big of a fish this is. I think most people, if you just randomly polled them, would assume that Harvey Weinstein had more influence in industry. Well, although there doesn't have to be a winner. He's just not no. famous. If he's a movie star, you've seen six times, people would be going, oh, my God. This actress, Alina Davis, who I didn't know, shared graphic accusations of sexual misconduct against uh, Spoonvez on Friday. Uh, Douglas said that during a business meeting with Moonves in 97 surrounding the CBS series Queens, she was pinned down with her arms over her head while Moonves violently kissed her. Um, in a millisecond, he got one arm over me, pinning me. He held her down on his office couch. Wow. Uh, he was holding <laughs> me down. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't move. The physical, The physicality of it was horrendous. Um, she, uh, was able to push him away. He starts yelling at her. Um, it's just between you and me. Come on. You're not some nubile virgin. Are you? 
After refusing him, Douglas tried to preserve Moonves's dignity by flattering him over his kissing style, she said. Oof. As she went to exit his office, Douglas said Moonves backed her into a wall and pressed against her. He says, we're going to keep this between you and me, right? She said, and she agreed. It was so invasive, it has stayed with me for the rest of my career. Um, and then she didn't get the part that uh, she was hoping to get. And there are a number of women who have stories similar to that. Mm. Sounds it's, familiar. Yeah, it. Yeah, it's hard to believe to me that that, that, that guys were doing that and, and thinking they could get away with it. Well, obviously, um, mm. some guys were doing it, and obviously they were getting away with it. That's why they thought it. Yep. Yeah. God, doesn't just, just your humanity keep you from doing that? Apparently not. Well, there are plenty who do uh, have their humanity keep them from doing it. I'm sure there are plenty of uh, thoroughly decent uh, moral people in the entertainment business. But as a percentage, the number of them end up very high in very high positions. There aren't that many people in the Les Moonves, Harvey Weinstein circle of, of power. Six or eight? In the whole country? I mean, that's at the very top, and at least two of them are complete pervos, it would seem. You remember the the science that came out not too long ago about the percentage of CEOs in America who are psychopaths or sociopaths? Right. Because they're they're generally very intelligent, and they don't worry very much about, you know, the moral stuff. They just deal with what's effective and what advances them. And if they hurt you, they don't care. I mean, they don't have the capacity to care. That's what helped them get to where they were? Right, exactly. They're not slowed by moral qualms or, you know, God dang it, that guy has four kids and he probably would have done a good job at it, but, you know, I had to force him out to to, to clear my way to the top. They don't sit there at night thinking, man, I, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, no, but you can make the argument that that's just business. Pinning a woman down and trying to have sex with her and then not giving her a job is not just business. Sure, yeah, I hear you. Um, For some of them, it seemed like it was. Oh, yeah. And again, it's got to have more to do with see how powerful I am than the sex. Because if they just wanted to have sex with hotties, Harvey Weinstein and Les Moonves, I'm sure, had plenty of hotties that were right. willing to throw themselves at him. No, it was entitlement. They, they would not take no for an answer. Or they wanted to have sex with people that weren't throwing themselves at them or something. I don't know what it is. I don't psychologically, but I can't it, imagine. it's clearly not just the sex because that's. Yeah, I'd imagine he could get some. I was just reading about that uh, SeekingRelationships.com, that site for sugar babies and sugar daddies to get together. Uh, Les Moonves could get as many of those gals as he had time for. Right. For tip money. Yeah. So in his world. So it's something else. Whereas like the Louis C.K. sort of thing, I think maybe that just was the sexual pleasure part. That was a weird sexual compulsion, yeah. Yeah, that was a whole different area of... I mean, there are those who would say, no, it's a power thing. Because you have to watch me. I'm going to do it, and there's nothing you can do. I, I've known weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> I have been among weirdos, and they're just weird. Uh, you know, I, I suppose, you know, your intersectional gender studies professor would disagree with me, but they're just weirdos that can't control their sexual urges. But, or, or all whatever. kinds of different things. So it doesn't have to make any sense. That's a very good point. It doesn't have to make any sense. Oh, it's about the power. No, it just, it just, right, it's craziness. It's inability to act like a civilized human being. Compulsion. Although the Les Moonves, no, you're going to give it up, and I'm going to make you a thing. And eh, it seems very predatory and, and yeah, and, and you're going to keep this quiet well, that's, uh, because I'm so powerful, you will. Right, right. Louis C.K. for yeah. 21 years. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. You know, it's funny. There's uh, We all know people of good conscience and intelligence understand that not everything is one thing or the other. There are lines to be drawn. There are areas of gray. There's There are legitimate situations where um, I was just trying to be persistent. I wasn't stalking. Right. Um, yeah, sure. And, and, and some of those stories end up charming, and you tell your grandkids about them. Some of them end up with a court order. Um, and, yep. and I'm not talking about Les Moonves and these allegations, because I wasn't there, and some of them are clearly assault. But like the Glenn Thrush, who was the top White oh, House please. guy for the New York Times, still isn't there over stuff that just sounds like courtship gone wrong to me. Um, and not even very wrong. And, uh, and yeah, so... Yeah. yeah, there are definitely varying degrees. Oh, this this um, Les Moonves thing, you got to throw in that the Redstone family is trying to force him out and take over CBS. Yes. Right now. And the timing seems weird, but I think it's just a I think I don't know this. I think he was doing these things. The Redstone family was aware of it. They were OK with that behavior until they wanted his position, power, and everything like that, and now they're trying to bring it up. Or given the billions of dollars at stake, they hired somebody to dig up dirt, and they found yeah, but it. but I think the dirt's real. Oh, I just think it's coming out. I think it's entirely possible it is. Yeah. It, it, label this part of the podcast, Jack Convicts Les Moonves, well, on very little evidence. I read a bunch Mr. of the Moonves, accounts. Mr. Moonves, I stand by you, they sound unless like, you're guilty. They sound like... <laughs> you're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.